23. Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. When reading through the gospel accounts, it will grab you. It has to arrest your attention. Because while Jesus addressed a lot of themes during his earthly ministry, I don't know that he addressed anything more than discipleship. What it means to follow Jesus. Commitment to Christ. And you really can't look at the earthly ministry of Jesus very long without seeing a profound emphasis on discipleship in the Lord's teaching. As a matter of fact, it was the one teaching that caused the population in general the greatest trouble. Think about Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The pain involved in that type of commitment is very obvious if you're listening to Jesus. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, notice verse 60. Jesus has just ended a discourse, a teaching about how he's the bread of life and how people need to be a partaker of him in order to have real life. John 6 and verse 60 records people saying, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? And when you look at John 6, 66 through 68, because of the Lord's teachings about discipleship, what it means to follow him, about commitment to Jesus, many of his disciples followed him no more. And it's in this context that the Lord asked, will you also go away and Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There has always been a tendency in order to be more appealing to the general public. There's always been a tendency to not really talk much about discipleship. To not talk about discipleship as fully as Jesus did. To not emphasize enough what it means to follow Jesus. And we know how 2 Timothy chapter 4 uh, verses 3 and 4 speak of having itching ears. And so in order to be more appealing, in order to maybe reach the masses, sometimes discipleship is neglected. But I hasten to say this, 
Jesus did just the opposite. In order to reach souls, our Lord and Savior stressed discipleship. He constantly dealt with what it means to follow Jesus. He constantly stressed commitment to Him. And I think that if we truly belong to Jesus, that's something that we'll think about a great deal ourselves. Open your Bibles to the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Look at Luke 9, verses 57 to 62. Because what Jesus does in Luke especially but certainly in Matthew, Mark, and John as well, is he stresses what it means to follow him. He deals with discipleship. And in Luke 9, 57 through 62, he especially deals with test of discipleship. In other words, if you and I are going to follow Jesus, we need to understand that our discipleship will be tested. Our followership will. Now think about this. Because Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. We call it the great invitation. Well, then think about Luke 9, 23 that was read by Kyle in our scripture reading. If any man would come after me, come unto me, come after me. You have the great invitation and you also have the great discipleship passage. Deny self, take up cross daily and follow me. But really the tests are pretty much the same. You think about this, Adam, and when we come to Jesus, before we can really accept his invitation, there's some thinking and considering we need to do. And when it comes to following Jesus as his disciples, there's some tests that we're going to have to think about and consider. We have to count the cost. And so Luke 9, 57 through 62, deals with three tests of discipleship. Luke 9, 57 through 62. They break down very easily in your Bible. The first test is found in Luke 9, 57 and 58. The second test is found in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 and 60. The third test is found in Luke chapter 9, verses 61 and 62. So let's look at these three tests about following Jesus because the Lord understands how difficult following Him might be. And He wants us to understand the test of following Him. How the devil will try to thwart are following Jesus. First test, Luke 9, 57 and 58. The test is going to involve this. Hardship and 
deprivation. Physical hardship and deprivation. Some people don't come to Jesus because of the physical hardship and deprivation, the difficulties that are involved in being a Christian. And some people do not follow Jesus, continue to follow Jesus because of the same reason. Physical hardship and deprivation. Notice the passage. Jesus has a scribe say this to him. Mark in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 19. Matthew 8 and verse 19. A scribe will say this to Jesus. I will follow you wherever you go. You can't get any more orthodox, Troy. You can't get any more sound than what that guy has just said with his mouth. I will follow you wherever you go. These are they that follow the Lamb whithersoever he goes. Revelation 14, verse 4. This sounds very much like the words of Ruth to Naomi in Ruth 1, 16 and 17. Where you go, I will go. So this is solid doctrinally. And we even sing about it. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. What this man is doing who's a scribe, think about this. That would be quite a catch. Go back to Luke 9. Look at verse 22. Because in the general context of this chapter, Jesus has already said that the elders and chief priests and scribes were going to put him to death. And just a little later in this very chapter, it is a scribe that comes to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. Don't you imagine he would have been quite a catch? An expert in the law, a scribe, says something so hopeful to Jesus. It would be the equivalent maybe of a denominational preacher who was well known among many saying, I want to come to Jesus. What a catch, spiritually speaking. Now notice the response of Jesus. He says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. If you're jotting some things down in your Bible, you might put an insightful insight, an insightful incident concerning his incarnation. You know, Jesus left glory and came to this world. And yet when we look at this passage, Jesus says he doesn't really have a place that he calls home, his home. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now I know that there were people that cared for Jesus and I know that he often would stay with people it seems like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. 
But think of the king of glory and the insight that we derive from the realization that because of what he came to do, he had to deal with hardships and deprivation that many of us just take for granted. Home security. The security of our home. A roof over our head. And what he is asking this scribe is, have you really thought about this? Here's the idea. I appreciate your enthusiasm and zeal in saying to me, I will follow you wherever you go. There is a place for enthusiasm and zeal as the people of God, as followers of Jesus. There's a legitimate place for it. We're to be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Romans 12 and verse 11. We are to work heartily as unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Ephesians 6 verses 5 and 6. But as I'm fond of saying, blessed are the balanced. I believe there's some followers of Jesus... They need a lot more enthusiasm and zeal. Amen? But there's some followers of Jesus that need to be more thoughtful and use their head. Thoughtfulness and using your head on one hand to honor God. Fervent and zealous on the other both are needed. Some have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Romans 10, verses 1 and 2. Some have a knowledge, but they have a form of godliness and deny its power. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. So what the Lord is trying to do with this scribe, and it sounds so hopeful, the guy volunteers to follow Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, are you willing to deal with the sacrifice and to think about things even like home security that you might have to surrender because of your commitment to me? The word to remember here is evaluation. Evaluation. Now look at the next two verses. Having looked at 57 and 58, look at 59 and 60 with me. Second test. If you look at the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 21, this passage says that this individual was already a disciple. He was already a follower, a learner of Jesus. And notice what the Lord specifically says to this man who's already a follower or disciple. Here's what he says. Follow me. That's the exact same expression that you see in Luke 5, 27 when Jesus calls Levi, Matthew the tax collector. Follow me. It's not a suggestion. 
It's not uh, just an encouragement, although it should have been taken as encouragement. It has the force of a command, doesn't it? It's an imperative. Follow me. And now, brothers and sisters, think about this. Because if the first individual with these tests may have been a little impetuous and not one to really evaluate fully the price that might be involved in commitment to Christ, this person drags their feet. That's how we put it. They're too slow in making a decision. Jesus had made the command. Steve Taylor, when Jesus says, follow me, that's about as clear as you can get, man. I will but first mark that. But first. And if we had hardship and deprivation and difficulty in verses 57 and 58, uh, what we have in 59 and 60 are temporary but seemingly more pressing obligations. Temporary but seemingly more pressing obligations. But first, let me go and bury my father. And the words of Jesus, if not really thought about contextually, may sound cold and even a little harsh when Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Now, let me deal with that and respond to the Lord's response. What Jesus is getting at has to do with decision and prioritizing. If we're dealing with evaluation in verses 57 and 58, we're dealing with prioritizing and decision making in these verses. Temporary but seemingly more pressing obligations can keep people from truer, wholehearted commitment to Jesus. If that man's father had already died, according to the customs of Judaism, he would have been at the family home and everybody would have been crying. They would have all been mourning. The point that I'm trying to make is he doesn't say in the text per se that his father has died. The idea seems to be that he could go at any time. Notice that it is to this individual that has kind of got a, a tendency to move too slowly and to drag their feet, Milton... It's to this individual that Jesus says, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Your dad may be here. It's as if Jesus is saying, another day, another week, six months. The Lord knows all things, John 2, 
and 24 and 25. He knows what's in man. He knows all things, 1 John 3, 20, Acts 1 and verse 24. He knew things that this man didn't about his father's eventual passing. And he says to him, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And Carl, this is significant. There's nothing you'll be able to do in life that's better than helping people get ready for eternity by talking about the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus. So that would help people in this life and prepare them for eternity. The first one needed to hear that those who give up anything for Jesus in this life gain a hundredfold in this life and in eternity, eternal life. Matthew 19, 29 and 30. This individual needed to hear again from Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Temporary but seemingly more pressing obligations. When a vaccine comes out, I'll take my commitment to the Lord more seriously. And while I can understand people being concerned for their safety, we must be concerned about our soul and our commitment. The work of God's people does not stop just because there is a pandemic. And while there may be people who, because of health concerns, don't come, they still are going to have to think about worshiping God and the work of the church and serving the Lord as they can. And you may have to get creative. Temporary but seemingly more pressing obligations. Let the dead bury their dead. Because, again, we're dealing with prioritizing and decision-making. It's not that the Lord's unconcerned about someone that may well be about to die. He's simply saying, maybe your dad has been sick for a good while now, and this could happen tomorrow or six months or six years from now. I'm talking to you about your commitment and your soul. Third, look at Luke 9, verses 61 and 62, this third test. And you know, as I stop and think about preaching, I can't tell you the number of people that really when it all comes down to it, maybe they never came to Jesus because they thought that they would have to give up something, that they didn't want to give up, some kind of security. Because of hardship or deprivation or difficulty involved. Others had seemingly more pressing obligations, but they were temporary. Third. Some people don't become Christians. Some people don't follow Jesus. They're not committed as his followers. Not really. 
And here's why. There's a determination to set the agenda. That's what Luke 9, 61 and 62 are basically saying. There's a determination to set the agenda. Lord, I will follow you, but first, let me go say goodbye to my family. Write in your Bibles, 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. That's exactly what Elisha asked, and as far as I know, the Lord was with Elisha. Among the prophets, few performed more miracles than Elisha. But he asked, can he go and say goodbye to his family? When you look at 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21, and he's given a blessing by Elijah. Do that. Now I want to say this. In that context, Elijah and Elisha both understand that there was going to be no turning back. When Elisha went to his family and waved goodbye so long, he was going to be fully engaged in the work of God, committed to bubbling forth the message of God as a prophet. You think about this, trying to set the agenda... A lot of people don't come to Jesus because they want to set the agenda in some ways. A lot of people don't follow Jesus faithfully. And that's the word to remember here, faithfulness. A lot of people don't follow Jesus faithfully because they have left something out. And they believe that they set the agenda rather than God does. When it comes to the invitation of the Lord, it is His invitation. And when it comes to following the Lord, He is the one who is the followed one, and He sets the agenda, and not you or not me. Amen? Yet it is a temptation, and it's a struggle, and it's a test at times. You know what the Lord says? Few farmers out in this way, this way, at least some that will remember, no man having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. You cannot plow a straight line always looking over your shoulder behind you. By way of parallel... You cannot drive well on the highway to heaven always looking out your rearview mirror. It can't be done. Go back to Luke 9.23 that Kyle read for us. Luke 9.23. A determination to set the agenda... Maybe not wholly, but we want our input, and we, we think of this as a contract where both parties agree, uh, bring things to the table and agree. Well, it is a covenant, 
And yet at the same time, the Lord is the teacher and we are the student. The Lord is the Savior and we are the delivered, the saved. The Lord is the King and we're subjects. We have no right to be thinking about making the agenda and we need to humble ourselves. Now look at Luke 9, 23. If any man would come after me, Jesus said, and here's the idea. We don't set the agenda. We listen to the Lord, our master. Let him deny himself. Well, what if I only want to partially deny myself? What if there are things that I don't want to deny myself for doing? I might not be comfortable with that. The Lord said, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily. Well, I don't want to take up my cross daily. I'll take up my cross partially. I would like to have one that's a little lighter and one that wouldn't, uh, the splinters wouldn't get in my shoulders or it wouldn't rub me the wrong way. Take up his cross daily. Let him follow me. Lord, I, I want to follow you in these areas. I, I, I won't I commit adultery against my wife. I'll be a person that's generally truthful. I won't be physically abusive. But I'm not really going to follow you with my all. Conclusion time. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Listen. Four characteristics of a true disciple of Jesus are you ready? Four characteristics. Give these in no order. Characteristic one. A true disciple of Jesus wants to be as close to Jesus as they can get. A true disciple wants to be as close to Jesus as they can get. They don't want there to be a lot of distance. They want to be nearer and still nearer because he's so amazing, so awesome, so great. A true disciple of Jesus is enamored with the words and work of Jesus. That's second there. A true disciple is enamored with the words and the work of Jesus. Third, what does it really mean to be committed to Christ? What does a disciple look like? Third, a true disciple humbly and gladly sacrifices for Christ. Fourth, 
a true disciple desires to reflect the love and glory of Jesus in every thought and action. A true disciple of Jesus really desires to reflect the love and glory of Jesus in every word and action. What kind of follower are you of Jesus? Which of these tests do you personally find to be really difficult in your life at times? And on the great day of judgment, we're all going to need a lot of grace and mercy from the Lord, aren't we? To hear, this is one of my disciples. Well done, good and faithful servant. Discipleship is about evaluation. Discipleship is about prioritizing and making a decision. And discipleship is about faithfulness and the ability for God to count on us, to keep on following. May God help us to that end. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement and perhaps there's someone here this day who's not a Christian and you can come and respond to the death of Jesus in faith, in repentance and acknowledging with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and by expressing the desire to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and added to the church of Jesus Christ, the one purchased with the blood of Jesus. And the one that is composed of people who want to be disciples of Christ. If you haven't done this, come home to Jesus. But when we think about following Jesus and the way I approach the lesson, both evangelistically as the Lord's invitation and as a matter of discipleship and following Jesus... We as Christians need to make sure that there's nobody in the world we want to be closer to than Christ. There's no one whose love and beauty we want to reflect more than Jesus. There's no one that I'd more gladly and humbly sacrifice for than Him. Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Let's stand and sing.